Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mercy Talk podcast from Mercy Multiplied, where we are passionate about empowering you with biblical principles for growing in mental, emotional, and spiritual health and equipping you to share those principles with others. I'm Melanie Wise, and joining me on this episode is our good friend, Dr. Brooke Keels, as well as our church strategy advisor here at Mercy, who is also the lead pastor of a local church here in Nashville, Marshall Gallagher. And if you have been following Mercy Talk for long, you know that we care deeply about holistic health because we believe that we are all made up of spirit, soul, and body. So Our spiritual health impacts our mental health, impacts our emotional health, impacts our physical health. They all impact each other. So because of that, and because we we feel like they all play such a huge role in our overall health, just as people, we are really big believers in Jesus being the key player in our healing journey, but we are also big believers and supporters of people getting professional help when it is needed. So today, we have a pastor, Marshall, who is going to be bringing to a professional counselor, Brooke, some of the common just struggles and questions that leaders in the church have for mental health experts or professional counselors. I have a feeling that this is going to be a very fun show. So we are really glad that you've joined us today and hope that you enjoy. Well, Brooke, Marshall, this is going to be good. Thanks for joining. (laughs) Let's do it. Um, It's been a while since we've done a podcast with the three of us, but I feel like if if my memory serves me, the last one we did was kind of similar in nature to this one where we talked a little bit about um, why mental health can be such a tricky thing to talk about in the church. And and Marshall, I believe that you educated us on some of the history between the church and leaders in the church and how they've seen psychology and how they have seen mental health and just some of the some of the issues that have come up over the years. And so I'm kind of excited to jump off of that topic today and really dive into some specific things. Um, Marshall, you are basically here to just represent all of the pastors everywhere. All of them. No pressure whatsoever. Brooke, you are here to represent all of those who would consider themselves mental health experts. Not, I'm not saying you just consider yourself that. You are, in fact, a mental health expert. <laughs> and um, and I know because, Marshall, when we talked about doing the show, I was like, do you think you could come up with a few questions that pastors or people who are in leadership in the church would have for, like, a professional counselor? And you're like, hold on. And within five minutes, I'm pretty sure I had, like, 20. Uh, and it was mm-hmm. great. I mean, and just looking over the questions, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all so great. I think you even maybe reached out to some of your friends who are in leadership, in church leadership, and got some questions from them. So I'm really excited about where we're headed today. And I'm basically just going to sit back with my uh, popcorn and Diet Coke and enjoy the show because <laughs> I have a feeling you guys are going to have some really great back and forth uh, today. So uh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. pass it off to you, Marshall. Okay. Well, thanks, Melanie. Uh, thanks, Brooke, for being here and yeah, helping, I think, answer some things that I would say a lot of pastors wrestle with in, in different degrees, uh, where, however we uh, view or approach kind of counseling or therapy or psychology. I think we all have questions to this degree. Um, and so I'll just start off with our kind of first kickoff question. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, pastors sitting in places where we hear things, get things that come to us. Uh, how can pastors develop a radar for things um, that are over our heads? Uh, they're outside of our skill sets. Um, I think we're commonly come up to those things, but, but how do we, how can we develop a radar that would actually identify some of those things where we understand where our skill set ends and we need extra help? Yeah. Um, and I guess I'll start with this too. And I've said this, if anybody's been listening for a while, but I'm also, you know, a fifth generation preacher's kid. So this isn't just like, cause I know counseling, like I've been in the church and mm-hmm. suffered, uh, in, uh, <laughs> accordingly. Um, and I had an interesting dynamic because my dad was also a psychologist and a pastor. So that was always, you know, interesting, um, as well. So I didn't really grow up with them separate, but I grew up seeing, uh, people maybe would only talk to my dad because he was a pastor. Like they weren't necessarily going to seek out any mental health support mm-hmm. yeah. outside of that. It was like, he, well, he's safe because he's a, 
he's a pastor, Mm. you know? Um, And so that was, that was always very interesting. So I'll just kind of preface it um, with that. But I think in, in y'all, you guys have heard me say this before. It's like in, in the field of counseling, like I am required to understand what my scope of practice is. Like I have to know who I can serve and who I can't. And if I can't serve them, then I'm required to have referral sources, you know, for that person. It doesn't have to be, you know, anything specific, but, you know, it could be if somebody's got like a severe eating disorder and I'm not trained in that, then I've got to refer to someone who is right. Um, And the onus is on the person, whether they reach out or not, but I have to at least add that level of like, here's where I would send you and connect you. I can't just be like, Mm -hmm. I don't know you know, good luck. Um, and I feel like that would just be a huge start for pastors because, and, and I'm saying this from a place of understanding that pastors are typically like, you must be all things to all people. And I think the boundary of that starts with the pastors because people are not going to like start treating pastors with healthy boundaries. Like that's just never going to happen, <laughs> unfortunately. So I think it ha- it has to start there for the pastor understanding like this is where I know I'm gifted, you know, whatever that is, whether it's in discipleship or connecting, you know, because some pastors are really great. Like everyone wants to come tell them their stuff, you know, and they the, the healthiest ones I've seen either have a filter for that. Right. Like you don't necessarily get to the pastor unless it's a smaller church, you know, and then for the ones who do. They go, okay, you know, I, thank you for sharing that and then kind of help them come up with a plan of now what are we going to do? Um, and I think you have to really understand what your gifting is in that arena um, and really manage the expectations of the congregation, in my opinion. And so I think developing that radar of radar too, of, of actually part of that is going to be building relationships with counselors or medical doctors or different people in the mental health field that, that pastors can trust. You know, I know one thing that was really cool that I saw growing up was there were a few counselors in the area that our church would, you know, refer to specifically and, and especially for our leadership staff. And then they would pay for like the first, I don't know, eight sessions or something, you know, like we need to, you know, we need to get you started, but they had partners in that that they trusted. Um, and it would be typically, I think too, what you see is usually marriage issues, right? Most of the time I feel like it's marriage, it's parenting, it's, uh, pornography and addiction. And so I feel like if you can cover those kind of three find expertise or people that can support in those three areas, and then walk with that person from a discipleship, a biblical perspective an accountability and support perspective, I mean, that's really the package deal, right? Like you're getting someone the help they need dealing with why they're addicted to something or how this happened or what happened in their marriage, but also discipling them, you know, or, I mean, we have like a marriage weekend at our church that people are just like, it is life changing. But what they say is this is just the beginning, right? Y'all have reconnected. Now you've got to go walk that out. And so here are the marriage counselors we recommend, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, for sure. So, I, so yeah, so I hear um, kind of the personal, uh, maybe even humility and recognition of where your skill set is or isn't, because um, mm-hmm. it's so varied. Uh, but then, yeah, or kind of organizational, I kind of hear checks and balances or just filters, and, and, and that helps yeah. as, as far as expectations for congregants to realize, like, I'm not Jesus. I, I can't do everything. Um, and I did. I love how you said it. it just don't. Ex- we can't expect. It's it's unfair to expect people's views of pastors to shift to a magical thing. And, and even when we have right. that stuff, um, right? Yeah. And and then how you kind of have a plan of connecting with counselors. And so I, I suppose uh, any tips for counselors or for pastors who are trying to reach out to counselors, knowing that that's a you know counselor is such a general term pastor church is such a general term, like any, any mm-hmm. helpful tips as far as how to, how do you find one that might fit with you or with the pastor? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's always, it's typically, and depending on the area, right. I think it's safe to start with churches that offer counseling, but making, you know, cause there's a lot of churches that do, but making sure that they're actually licensed with the state. So that's going to be an LPC or an LMFT or some version of that in your state, right? That we're not talking about biblical counseling 
you know, your church could probably provide biblical counseling. If there is a biblical counselor, bring them in. So be it if that's what the need, what what is met. But dealing with, you know, addiction and attachment and all of that is not under that purview, right? And so making sure they're actually licensed with the state. And what that does is it actually protects your congregant, right? So if you happen to refer to somebody and they end up being crazy, you report them to the state and then the state comes after them and they lose their license. Like that's how you're, they're held accountable to those ethics and laws per their licensure. Right. So when you have people that are doing this unlicensed, there's literally nothing you can do if they do something weird. Right. And so then again, back to that accountability and checks and balances, I think starting with churches is a safe place, but I've said on this here before, right. There are plenty of counselors that can support people and not step into speaking into like their spiritual life or their theology. Like they just refer them back to their own resources. Right. So plenty of counselors that if somebody's like, I'm really struggling with my idea of God, they could be like, well, let's talk about what connection looks like, but they're going to refer back to, I think that's something you need to sit down with your small group leader, your pastor. And so I think the next step is once you go, okay, these people look good. I read their website. They seem a little, less cheesy than I thought, you know, whatever, because most of the websites are terrible. And, you know, you call them up and go, I want to meet with you. I want to come in because we, we need, we want a referral source for our congregation. Um, And most counselors will jump at that because that's pretty much a steady stream of referrals, you know, Um, and you, and you meet with them. And if they won't meet with you, forget it. You don't want to fool with them anyway. Like there's a a little bit of like, we need to make sure we're in alignment. Here's our heart. How do you approach things? You know, and if they say something weird, go help me understand that. And if they can't explain it simply, that's a problem. You know, like it's like a hundred percent take the, the authority you have as the leader of your church to vet these people and not feel weird about that you know, like get to know, um, and then also talk about what confidentiality will look like, right? Because sometimes you may refer another leader and there needs to be a release of information, right? Because we need to make sure this person's actually showing up and doing what they say. Other times it's going to be like, I'm referring to you and none of my business, you know? And so kind of how are you going to handle that? But your congregation's going to ask, like, right? People are going to go, well, if I go to counseling and like tell them, are they going to call you, you know, and being able to simply explain, like, that's not how that works. Here's how confidentiality works, you know, um, and encouraging that counselor to or group of counselors to make sure they're explaining how that works as well. Like, I feel like there's just kind of some logistics you can talk through and have a really high support kind of team, if you will. I can um, say too, that like one of the side. things that we are, actively working on is, you know, we talk about that all the time. We talk about that with Mm -hmm. pastors and leaders in the church, like, oh yeah, you need to have this team. You need to go out and vet counselors. And um, what we haven't provided is much about how, like when I look back on my years in youth ministry, I'm like, that's probably the number one thing. If I could go back and redo, I would have done. But I also don't even know that I would have known how to vet I don't know that I would have known the questions to ask or like what to even be looking for or, or hoping for. And so um, that's something we are actively building out is some resources for people in the church to be able to say, hey, if you want to do this, if you want to develop this referral list that we always talk about and you want to go meet with a counselor, here's literally a list of questions that you could ask that could give you a really good feel for who they are and how they work with people. So we, I don't think we formally have that available, but if anybody listening wants to have kind of just even some of the preliminary questions that we've been able to come up with that we've um, that we've got together, we would be happy to share that with people. Because I think that's really, 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 really important um, is knowing mm-hmm. what to even ask. I think we did it too in the 2016 Mercy magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like the first, mm-hmm. I think, article mm-hmm. I wrote was like how to vet, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, we do. We have like really basic stuff. We have your article. We have a couple of podcasts that we've Mm -hmm. even done within the last year, just about like finding a counselor. Um, And then we have actually received from a uh, church out in the Phoenix area. They, they did this. They literally went out and started Mm -hmm. having interviews with counselors in their areas to be able to offer as referrals. And they came up with a fantastic list. So we've taken some of their questions. We've added some of the stuff from your article, from all these things. We've kind of started compiling those. Again, we don't 
formally have it available. It will be soon, but until it's available, um, if it's anybody's awesome. interested, we would love to send that out. Cause I just, it's so, so important. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. pretty well accepted in the field. Like most people will have, like, you can have, you know, set up a free consultation and like, I mean, that's mm-hmm. like a pretty accepted thing. Like it, you know, and if somebody's weirded out by meeting up or scheduling a time or anything like that, like that would don't do, then they're weird. Don't mm-hmm. talk to them. Um, but yeah. most people that should be very, mm-hmm. you know, common and accepted. And I mean, and honestly, I think most counselors would be like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yes. Like, you know, you want to partner. Mm-hmm. Your goal is having people be connected. And so, yeah, that's super helpful. And I know Brooke, one thing that's been really helpful for me as a pastor, even to hear is the allowance uh, of all counselors not being amazing and perfect mm-hmm. at what they do. Like clearly that's the same with pastors. No, 83% are terrible. That's my, <laughs> that's my statistic. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Sticking that's with about, it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like 51% and you just no. blew it out of the water there. No, no, most uh, of them aren't great. Well, and so that, I think that does help us it, it, because I think sometimes with the tension of, of the kind of two worlds always colliding, I think it, mm-hmm. it can, uh, pastors can either feel like they're all the enemy or like, I can't say a bad word about any of them, but I, and, and not having the expertise to know a good or bad counselor. And so maybe even just the freedom to kind of trust your gut with some good questions to know that every counselor you meet with is not going to be perfect for your church and fit and align. And it's okay to, you know, say, I don't think Mm -hmm. this works. Absolutely. And they're not all going to be great. You know, there's specific counselors I would send for really serious marriage issues, right? There's specific counselors I would send for, you know, like, like everybody's got, you know, or for adolescent parenting stuff, like there's not one size fits all. And that's why you, you know, and you have to do the work. And I'm going to say this on the other side, a lot of pastors aren't great either. And mm-hmm. so I think by our powers combined, for those of us that are good at counseling and those of us that are good pastors We're can align, right? Yeah. And then just find each other, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and you're going to have times too, because it also can't be, and I know you know this too, Marshall, but I want to say it like, it also can't be, I referred you to a counselor and I, you know, and the person goes one time, they're like, well, I don't know how I feel about them. I don't, I don't care. Right. Like if I know somebody's good and I tell people you try them at least three times, right. If you tried them by the third time and that's not a fit, cool. We'll find you somebody else. And people go, well, I don't want to share my stuff that much. Yeah. I can't help you with that. There's nothing I can do. I can't make everyone perfect yeah. <laughs> and a perfect fit. And I think we tend to like, because someone's coming to us and like this place of like, I need help. We take that onus of it being hard to go to counseling on ourselves and and we can't. And I will say every time, cause I get asked all the time and I have to, you know, I don't like to refer people for jobs much less, you know, for counseling. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, I believe this is a great fit. Here's who I would try. I never give more than three by the way. Cause I think it gets really overwhelming, you know, sometimes, and Melanie knows this, like, you know, I've looked at their website, their licensure looks good. I've asked a couple people, talk to them. They seem great. Go try it out. You know, cause there's been like out of state questions, right? Like go try it out. And then if it's not a fit, call me back and we'll come back to it. And just making sure we're still pushing that onus on the person that needs help, you know, and there have been plenty yeah. that didn't like it the first time, but they loved it the third time. And then there are others that just because you like your counselor doesn't mean they're good. Mm-hmm. Right. When I talk to people, they're like, I mm-hmm. love my counselor. I've been going for five mm-hmm. years. I'm like, what mm-hmm. have you been working on? The same thing. Well, then they don't mm-hmm. sound great. Yeah. Like, you know, I have a lot of people. They're like, I really like you. I'm like, are you still doing drugs? Yep. Well, then I don't know mm-hmm. what that means. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we should probably, you know, <laughs> like we should probably mm-hmm. move in a direction towards health, you know, so it, it's not a clean, you know, it's an active yeah. process, I guess, like everything else. So. Sure. No, that's helpful. Well, and that's what every pastor would say about discipleship and, and sanctification, right. growing and, and with following Jesus and all that. Um, right, so, so you kind of touched on it a set and then kind of brings up another question. Um, what, let's say once you find a counselor, you refer out, you feel you know, confident in, in your abilities, but there's no partnership formed. I've found that I, I know very, very few pastors that have these partnerships, um, mm-hmm. but like balancing 
progress and confidentiality. Um, I, I know meeting to kind of set that up, ask those questions, talk it through with the counselor. When when the pastor is not necessarily in control of that, I, th I think, or my my uh, assumption maybe, and maybe that's a, a, it's a wrong assumption, is that counselors get really nervous about confidentiality or progress or, or kind of letting the room open uh, to a pastor or, or someone who's kind of um, on the outside as a guide when it's not initiated by the person in counseling. Um, yeah, because they'll lose their license. So yeah. So have, how, yeah. how do you? Yeah, yeah they're, so really, you they're balance, nervous because how do you balance? Yeah. So how do you balance that? Like with it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the question is like, what is your role, right? Like, if your role is to know what someone's talking about in counseling, and again, I, that's why I kind of differentiated. Mm -hmm. Like, if your associate pastor, I'm just making this up, okay? If your associate pastor is dealing with pornography addiction, and they come to you and you send them to counseling there needs to be a release of information on that front end, right? That you can verify. Like, I don't need to know what's going on, but I need to know that you're and going. And to be sure that everyone you know, knows, like that's a formal if, if thing that people would sign saying, like, yeah, they have they to agree. Thing, because yeah. here's the other thing. If your associate pastor goes, no, I'm not going to let you know whether I'm going to counseling. Well, then thank you for being my associate pastor. <laughs> thank you for your service. Now. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, appreciate it. You know, and so I think it just depends on what the role is, because at some level, again, like the onus is on the person. Right. So like, you know, because some people are like, well, what if they go and they're not really doing well? Well, I I don't know. That's on the, like, you've got to pay attention to kind of those fruits. Right. And typically like if someone goes and finds a good counselor and they're getting freedom, like they're going to tell you, you know, mm -hmm. and I think it's just very, it's very few and far between. Do I think that there's a place in my opinion, unless you can think of something that I'm missing, right. That, that a pastor would be privy to that information versus what their congregant is reporting to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, Cause like, yeah, cause you're absolutely. not really in yeah. control of that, sure. you know, and, and so, nor should you be. Yeah. So I think it's more about, um, respecting the, the privacy and confidentiality, confidentiality of the room still, uh, but still retaining kind of the role as shepherd and, and, and maybe it's even just helping that congregant kind of walk through and asking good questions of the congregant. Um, yeah. Yeah, just to where it doesn't seem like it's pure outsource, like, hey, I've got an issue. Thanks for your help. I'll see you when I'm better, um, which I, yeah. I would imagine a counselor would be on board with of detachment. No, for sure. No, I no. mean, I've said this from the stage a lot, right? Like, I'm good at what I do, but an hour a week is not change anybody's you know like you need relationship and community mm -hmm. and so to me i think that actually brings up a really good point that i don't even know that we've ever talked about before which is like yeah so so let's say you're at you know whoever the small group leader is or if it's you directly that's like well tell me you know how you know you know you referred them you're checking in with them well how's that going like do you feel connected to them what do you feel like has been the biggest help like i think you're right like having even those list of questions so you can gauge how somebody's doing without prying into something that's inappropriate, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, I think um, that, I mean, sorry, I, I love the idea of having like some, some actual follow up because so many of the people that you may be referring out, this might be the first time they've ever done counseling. And so they don't really have mm -hmm. a grid for like, I don't know if it's going well. I remember the first time I went to a counselor, it was my first experience and I was like, okay. And I went like three, four, five times and we were still just kind of like not really doing anything. And I remember wondering like, is this what counseling is like? Is this what it is? And then eventually mm -hmm. she just was like, at like visit number five. She was like, so how do you think it's going? I was like, oh, like she thinks we're going somewhere. <laughs> I was like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> this is horrible. So I, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going back to her, not spending any more money there. But like, mm -hmm. I didn't know because I didn't have any experience. I'd never gone before. So I think having some good questions and Brooke, I'm glad you're bringing that up because I think we could add that to our resources for pastors of like, here's a way to follow up with people for them to, you know, be able to assess for give themselves. them the tools yeah. to kind of navigate it yeah yeah, yeah that's good um, and i think reminding people too like they uh, you know there are some counselors that are not as um direct 
as I am, maybe. And so no. they're like, you know, are you like, the, what? I know. Um, but they're like, maybe they're expecting you to lead mm-hmm. it out, right? And they should do a better job of communicating that. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, but they're a little less confrontational mm-hmm. in that in that same way. And so there, there's always that space, too. If you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I always encourage people, go back and go, hey, what mm-hmm. are we doing? Because there should be a treatment plan. If you don't know the goals you're working on by the third mm-hmm. session, that's mm-hmm. not great. You know, and that's kind of part of that pastor, right? Like why you would do that work on the front end. And I think fitting those questions into that of like, so how do they know like the goals that y'all have co-created? Like, how do they know that there's progress being made? Like you're kind of vetting that person for your, you know, congregant already. And that counselor's going to know, like, if we're not getting somewhere, they're going to go back and tell Pastor Marshall, this person mm-hmm. is great. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, and yeah. you always have that That's space right. too, Marshall, of like, if you go, hey, man, this is the second or third person I've heard this mm-hmm. from, I'm scheduling a meeting with that counselor. And I'm be like, you need to tell me what's going on. Like, you know, yeah. you don't have to be a jerk about it, you know, but definitely from that space of, you know, this is like the third person that's mentioned. They don't feel like they know, you know, what's mm-hmm. happening. So can you help me understand like what your approach is? Why do you think maybe that needs to be communicated differently? I don't know. Does that, you know what I mean? Like you have, because when you do have that partnership, like we've talked about, that is an agreed upon conversation that gets to happen if you need to have it. Um, And I think frankly, if that is, let's just say you got two or three counselors, you've referred to them multiple times over a year, I would touch base with them again in a year, you know, just so y'all are kind of keeping that relationship going um, too. And I know it's an added thing, but if you think about like Mm. the investment on, that side will actually save mm-hmm. you from all of the counseling you would have to do. Yeah. That you don't want to do. You shouldn't qualify for, yes. you know, like, so right. invest so in I, the counselor so you can, you know, go on vacation. Yep. Yeah. I've thought many times to myself that like, if I went back to school for another graduate degree, it might be a counseling one just to save myself time and headaches like, yeah. uh, of course, I love people, but it's like, I am ineffective at this. <laughs> yeah, no, um, just find you a couple people, refer them out, and then yeah. they, they'll call them when they're in crisis while you're in Florida. Yep. Okay. okay. Yeah. And exactly. that's the appropriate, <laughs> that's the appropriate thing yeah, to do. That's what we want. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, so, all right. So, I'm I am a, a you know, preacher. I love my metaphors. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I, I said, uh, I, think, I think pastors, it feels often like we're the EMTs and physical therapists of kind of the mental health where we, we capture people, we find them in crisis, get them to like the doctors. And then we have them after they've done this deep, deep work to kind of help them get back in the normal rhythms of life. So kind of like EMT emergency ambulance. And then after surgery, we're like the people helping them get back to, to normal kind of strength, you know, all that. Uh, so, and what I find is, is difficult often is, how to approach people, even in that metaphor, where we're kind of the physical therapist, but we don't know the, the diagnosis. We don't know what the surgery was. We don't know the, and, and often it's, you know, it, we are trying to figure out how to best help people when they're doing a lot of deep kind of interior counseling work. We're never aware of it. Um, and so often it's difficult, I think, to ask questions. I think it's becoming more common that people aren't sharing what's going on in the counseling room with a pastor. And, you know, for, for good reason, I think it's justifiable that pastor is not necessarily a synonymous with trustworthy, uh, certainly as much as it used to. Uh, yeah. So what, even just advice, if we know that somebody has been going through a, a lot of stuff with a counselor and then we're kind of on the back end trying to help them, uh, but we don't know what, and we, maybe we will never find out really what's been going on under the surface. You know, what, how would you, how would you counsel, I guess, pastors, um, to help best in those scenarios? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, that's, I mean, it's a good question. I think it's pretty layered though. And I think it, it depends. Yeah. Right. So, cause I, and, and I think the number one thing is I would go back to saying like the onus is on the person in your church. Right. So if they're like, man, we're, I'm really getting in it in counseling, you know, right. And you ask them, how are things going? Man, it's really hard, you know, and I think that just normal follow up question, is there anything we can do to support you? 
right? Like, cause whether, whatever their diagnosis is in that process, it, it, the last thing I feel like the church needs to do, not that it's not helpful sometimes, but I'm just going to speak generally. Like, what are you going to do if you're like, oh, they're bipolar? Yeah, you know what no, I'm saying? Like, what, no, are, you, what are you going to do with that information? What you need to know is, hey, you know, Sally probably can't take the church credit card and buy a bunch of stuff at Party City. You know what I mean? Like, there's a but, like, there's all these, like, nobody needs you know, to be buying yeah, you know, or if it's just like, hey, I've noticed like, you know, some days you're doing really well and some days you're not like, I think the bigger question is like, hey, I've noticed these things like, are you, you know, and, and assuming you have that relationship, right? You're not just like running down and being like, you seem a little manic today, girl, you know, like, don't do that. Um, but I think just being like, are, are, are you diving into that with your counselor? And a lot of times people go with, well... You know, and they need your encouragement because they feel ashamed to go. And it's like, look, tell them, talk to them like we're here and we can sit with you and pray through it. And like if you need to get more connected and involved, like the church is community. Right. If we offer healthy community, like there's nothing that's off topic, but you'll probably know more, frankly, than even the counselor. And so I think it's actually a bigger space. I think you would be surprised how much people would probably do more in counseling if they were encouraged by their church community and not flippantly, not like, we'll talk to your counselor, but I mean, just being like, Hey, are you also, are you also sharing this with your counselor? Are you also, you know, making sure you're hitting that mental health side and then how can we support you, you know? And, you know, in that way. And, and I think it, it, it might just be more how we see it, but again, it's also the onus is on that person. If they shut out the church, then they don't get the benefits of that community. And that's their choice and they're right and they can decide to do that. Um, but, I, but I think, but if something's really bad, right, and you're invited into that space, maybe it's like parenting situations, I've seen a lot with, you know, um, parents dealing with kind of the transgender and non-binary and all that stuff, like it's, and, and people are just, you know, frankly, they're terrified, right? They don't know what to do with their hands. They don't know what to do with themselves. And so in that space, it may be appropriate for you to be like, hey, do you mind if, you know, let's say you're talking to parents, right? Do you mind if me and you guys like actually get on a call with your counselor so I can understand kind of what the approach is? Because that's the other thing. You may have congregants that already have counselors, mm-hmm. right? And there's been a, plenty of times that I don't need a release for us to all be on the phone together. Right. Like I'm not trying to get in your business. I just really want to understand. So I know how to support you. And more times than not, people are like, great. Yes. You know, and sometimes they'll be like, I don't even need to be there. <laughs> Here's a release. Talk to them. Tell us what to do. You know, and I think just not being even afraid of those questions. And, and I always, um, you know, because these are the same things for me. Like I'm not allowed to talk to if somebody has a psychiatrist, for example, and they don't let me talk to them. You know, they have the right to do that. What I tell them, though, is that limits my care because I don't know the medication you're on, you know, and 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 I don't understand. Or you're telling me you're on all these things that don't make sense to me, and I don't know why. So is it okay if I call them? And if not, can you and I call them together? And we can ask those questions. You know, it's, it's, it's really not that different because either way, it's on them to tell me whether they can or, you know, will or will not allow me into that space. But then I can be honest with them and say, like, I don't I can't help you if I don't know why they're giving you 800 milligrams of Adderall, you know, and that's there. No one should ever do that. If they do, they need to lose their medical license. I'm just saying, like, I have to, you know, it'd be really helpful to understand that. And so I I just think it depends on the relationship. And, And two, I think pastors, it's funny. It's like, you know, the tendency is to be all things to all people, but from an insecure place. And I really wish pastors would just step into that, like, you have the greatest calling. <laughs> and in no way are you required to know everything. And if, you know what I mean? And trying to be all things to all people is not at all what Jesus said, right? But but you are the one who disciples, who makes sure other pe- ministers in the church are healthy. Like, you're kind of the, you know, the creator of the space, if you will. And so I think the pastor in their own confidence can decide what needs to happen in that? What does my role need to be? Or what do my lay leaders, their roles need to be? And they probably need to be trained on how to communicate with people about their mental health. You know, if somebody comes and says, I'm schizophrenic, or I've had seven suicide attempts, a lot of people get freaked out. 
you know, and it's like, well, help me understand what that means. Like there's a lot of like kind of triaging. I like what you said with the EMTs and physical therapists, because what the EMTs and the physical therapists know, they ask you a bunch of questions. They need to know what's going on. They get you to the right person or it's after the fact. And it's like, help me understand what you've been walking through. Okay, I can now, you know, help figure that out. Right. Um, And, you know, this physical therapists aren't just functioning on doctor's orders. Half the time they're like, your doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. This is actually what we're going to (laughs) do. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. I feel like in listening to you guys both speaking from your various like perspectives, it just, and I don't mean to like oversimplify it, but there's just that part of, you know, something our team has been talking about a lot has just been, it's almost like sometimes, I mean, and I've heard, I've heard people in leadership in the church say things like this of like, well, you know, I took a couple of, uh, I took a couple of psychology classes. So, you know, I can handle it. You know. And I'm like, oh, my That's word. My so there's that place. And again, I, you know, our team has been talking a lot about just how knowledge can be dangerous because you get a little bit and somehow you think you know it all. Or like I read a book one time on um, attachment and now I'm an expert on attachment because I read a book, you know, or I did one class mm-hmm. or. Right. And so I think. If, if especially people in leadership and the church can just use their brains and understanding that they just can't understand it all, like just because you took one class or because you read one book, it gave you some perspective and maybe some context that's helpful, but you are not an expert in now handling all of these situations. And I just think, Brooke, you always talk about how no one's life is getting changed by one hour with me. I mean, I could say on behalf of Marshall, no matter how great of a pastor or teacher you are, no one's life is getting changed by one, you know, by one hour a week of a sermon or one meeting a week with you. It is, it just keeps going back to, in my mind, about that community of people. And so, Brooke, you Mm -hmm. just said it. Pastors, I don't care if you've got a, you know, church of 30 or a church of 3000, like you need to have other people that are serving alongside you who are equipped. That's why we are so passionate about empower shameless plug right now. Empower is truly that that's the heart behind it. People need to be equipped um, for how to navigate these conversations, how to love people well. And when you have done your part, pastor of raising up those people, of working with those people in your church, equipping them, creating that community, that is what changes people's lives. It's that ongoing week to week. And yes, counseling plays a part in it. Yes, the Sunday morning sermon or the meeting with you, Pastor Marshall, is part of it. But it's a much broader picture. And if people could just figure out, this is my lane, I don't have to know all the other lanes. Like, I don't even have to know everything that's being discussed in the session, or I need to do my part and do my part really well. Um, Like, it just feels like that would just be such a beautiful like of all of those pieces coming together in a really beautiful way. No, I think that was great. I mean, I just wrote down like pastoral courage to, mm. to be willing to step into those uncomfortable mm. places. And if we aren't willing to, then, you know, we're doing a disservice to both our congregation for that coordinated care. And, but then also to the congregant. And it's like the shepherds are in the place to, to do that difficult mm. work. Um, yeah. So that was, that was, yeah, that was good. Um, okay, I have a couple, just two more questions, really. Um, and Brooke, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, uh, like doing the work of finding a counselor. I, I know a lot of times um, people trying to find counselors in the church. Uh, most of what I hear is like, yeah, yeah, no, and you know, I've been trying to go to a counselor for a little while, and just you know, there's all that stuff. And so I think yeah. I think at times it is definitely an avoidance thing where we can give them the nudge and help them set up kind of those like, all right, I'll walk, you know, I'll walk you to the office or it, not maybe literally, but not not literally. But um, yeah. Yeah. So like, how do we help when people are trying and we maybe we notice that they are legitimately putting effort in, but they're also working 50 hours a week and have issues at home, like all that stuff. How can we help as pastors to kind of help them through that? I think the number one thing would be, what do you pastor believe about someone finding a counselor, right? And the urgency of it, because what I see, and of course, you know, what we saw at Mercy was typically the life is falling apart and then they would go to Mercy, right? Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, I hear it all the time. Well, you know, well, things aren't 
aren't really that bad. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's why we get really healed up while things are good so that when hard things happen, you know, we're stable or, you know what I mean? Everybody's like, I was fine until I had a kid. And it's like, yeah, because you didn't deal with any of your junk ahead of time. Right. And by the same. Okay. Like um, there's no judgment. It just is what it is. You know, or for me, like in addiction treatment, right? Like it's, well, it was just weed. We didn't know. And then now I've got a kid in a psychotic break, right? Because you didn't know what was really going on. And so I think it's a part of it would be even that, like the message of, you know, if someone's coming in this month, because what you also see, and I know you've seen this, is like there's a crisis, right? And then they come talk to you and everybody's like, just like melting into the floor with tears. And then you're like, hey man, this is what we're gonna do. And they're like, that's, thank you. That's great. And then they feel better the next day. And then no one's going to counseling, right? And I think that's where it's like, can you, can you, and this is all of us, by the way, everyone (laughs) ever, but I do, I have to do this too. Like, okay, well, you know, so then in three weeks from now, when it happens again, great. Did you, did you call that counselor? You know, uh, you know, no. And so you're talking about, but even for the ones that are legitimately trying, I think it's just that encouragement of like, Hey, don't lose steam on this. Right. Like, and is there, um, you know, if you know, you've got somebody in your church, that's really great with like, you know, I'll, I'll use our own stuff, right? But it's like, I want to get you in a keys to freedom study. I think it needs to be one-on-one, a little more mentoring than maybe a group, or here's a really great group I'd love to connect you with. You know, is it okay that I give them your number and they'll even reach out, right? Like whatever level you feel like you need to connect them, or here's the number I hope you reach out. Um, and, and I think doing all the church community things that need to happen of just getting somebody plugged in, you know, um, I think are, is huge. And then asking, you know, but making sure like I'll, cause it's, you know, we say this all the time, like I can't drag you anywhere. I will partner with you and no one will partner with you harder than I will. <laughs> like I will be there and I will champion and I will do all those things, but I will not do it for you. Um, and it'd be wrong and weird if I did. Right. And I think it's that same kind of, how do you feel about that? Right. As a pastor, like what are kind of the yeah. lines you know, that it's not because sometimes we get caught in like, oh, now you're using me to not go to counseling, mm-hmm. <laughs> to not actually go, you know, and so assessing it. But I'm with you. Like if somebody's like, hey, man, you know, this person's like, because sometimes like you got to wait like a month, right? The best counselors typically have like a wait list, which is, by the way, just side note, another reason why you partner with them is sometimes you can be like, I need you to save a couple spots. Like we're going to be referring and I need you to have yeah. like, I can't have people wait in two months if possible. Right. And like kind of working something out that way. It doesn't happen all the time, but often it does. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's that like, yeah. Okay. So great. So you've got a, an appointment in a month. That is awesome. Right. So how do you need support right now? What are the things that you feel like are the biggest struggle? You know, and so let's just I'm just going to pick on pornography because that's such a simple one. Right. So this, you know, guys come to you and I'm struggling with this. You know how to be like, great. Let's you know, is there anybody you're willing to put covenant eyes on your computer with? Like who can help hold you accountable that way? Like we've got a men's group over here. I've got this over here. Like all the things that we know how to support from a spiritual standpoint, you know, have you, you know, gone to the Lord about this? Where are you even at with that? Is it a place of fear? Are you inviting Holy Spirit in? Like all the things that we know how to do, but just from such a confident place of like, because the freedom comes from God. It just does. Like there's no other, you know, and that comes through the church community and through, you know, that experience with you. And so, and then I think encouraging them, like, keep your appointment. Mm Mm-hmm. Keep it right. If it's a month from now and you feel a little bit better, still go because there's a reason we got here. There's a reason things got weird. Like, let's, you know, do that. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Giving people kind of even even helping them manage their expectations where what I notice is like, hey, in a couple of weeks, you're probably going to wake up and realize there's a lot of work. And you're, it's almost like going to the dentist where it's like, Oh, I got a toothache. And maybe one day it's not there. And you're like, oh, do I need to go to the dentist? And, and you'll wait until it gets really, really bad. And so even kind of helping guide people uh, toward that, even writing it down on the calendar, just as a reminder, like, Oh, Hey, so-and-so went 
to counseling, I'm just going to text them, say, Hey, how was it? Kind of little things like that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. And I'm pretty aggressive about it. You don't have to be, but I'm pretty much like FY, I'm writing this in my calendar and I'm going to ask you how it went. Mm -hmm. So know that that's coming, you know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's part of that. I like to not surprise people with my aggressive nature. Yeah. Or, Hey, how are you? I know you went. Yeah. I'm just sitting over here thinking of like different, I don't know. I'm just thinking of different things that could be helpful, like supplements to kind of the, some of the things that we're talking about. And Brooke, just even um, a couple weeks ago, we recorded a podcast. The, the whole topic was reasons people don't want to get counseling or push back against counseling or delay counseling. And um, I, after we recorded that episode, I specifically thought about pastors and how helpful that resource could be for them because it's going to be all the stuff that they are probably hearing from people in their church. Um, When it's brought up, when it's mentioned, the thing, like the common reasons that people don't want to go, um, and just we, you know, I think we kind of talked through some of those and hopefully provided some really good, you know, maybe responses that pastors could have for people or encouragements that people they could have for them uh, in in dealing with that. Because I think it's probably really, really, really common. Um, so, yeah, I think that could be helpful for people as well to go back to that and reference it as needed. And yeah, and often if you're the one holding people accountable, you know what I mean? Like how far do we go until you dive into the seven people you mm-hmm. can't help yet, you know, kind of thing. Like, I think that that's a good, cause that's typically where, you know, things get off. And I mean, and in the meantime, I think you could probably marshal, like have a stack of books, like here is boundaries here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of just a, start a there. Mine yeah. on the shelf. Yeah. Just go and yeah. get a stash. Yeah. Just get it going. You know, here's some podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So la- last one, and this is kind of a selfish one. Uh, so, you know, pastors being on the front lines and, you know, imagining if all the counseling sessions, Brooke, for you were just, you're sitting down eating lunch and someone knocks on your door and they're like, Hey, I am starting our counseling session now. Mm-hmm. Or, or like, Hey, do you want to go grab coffee? And mm-hmm. I'm going to dump yeah. something on, <laughs> you know, that's and where we I have get another it. family in Paris. Yeah. yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's yeah. where these things, that's where these things land kind of in our laps. I think maybe, uh, what, what, uh, I, I almost kind of want to change the question a little bit of like internally, uh, for us as pastors and and maybe even those people in churches where they tend to receive a lot of those really hard, heavy kind of explode, like, Hey, here's a huge bomb. I'm going to drop in just this coffee. I wanted to get together with you. Yeah. Like, what can we do? Uh, And in power, we talk about it, you know, like, but what are some things internally to kind of keep our our hearts, our minds, our, our spirits uh, intact and also like helpful in a lot of those situations? Right. I think I think number one, like is I think going back and like understanding how you process those hard things anyway, like just kind of in advance, you know, or, or what is the best way for you? I'm kind of working backwards, right? Like, so I know for me, um, you know, in this field, we lose a lot of people, right? So like um, two mm-hmm. weeks ago, we lost two former clients. Um, and, you know, I know how I grieve at this point. Like I'm, I can pretty much like tell what I need and how I need to do that. Or, you know, we get crisis you know, again, addiction treatment is just a never, never ending, you know, carousel of fun. Um, and so, you know, I know like how I handle crisis and then how I need to like process, you know, that out. But I also am, and I've, I've learned this the hard way. I'm very aware of like in the moment what I can and can't do. Right. So like if someone drops something super hardcore, you know, I'm listening and I'm also thinking, okay, what can be done now and what's going to have to be done later. Right. So, you know, so let's just say we've got, you know, really big crisis. So right now I'm just making this up, right. Right now we're going to have to decide, okay. um, You know, I need you to go somewhere safe, you know, like if it's like super crisis or like if it's, you know, FY, you just dropped all this on me. Okay. I do have to, I need time to process that too, but here's what I know we can do right now. And being really comfortable with that and not feeling like you have to have like a 10 point plan Mm -hmm. just in 
that moment. And I think setting those boundaries for your own self, right? Like, Hey, you know, I think there's always that. Thank you for sharing these things with me. You know, maybe they share something super shocking, like uh, the courage in that. I really appreciate it. Obviously I need time to process it too, because it would be unwise and not great of me (laughs) if I just come up with something on the fly. What I know you need to do right now is X, Y, and Z, right? Like, and you'll know what that is. I mean, whatever it is, right? So, uh, you know, but I think it's it's giving that grace of like, you don't have to have all those answers. Um, and, and I don't either, right? Like, no, you, the things that come up that other humans bring you, we are not prepared for <laughs> at all times. And so I think just just those settings where, and sometimes it's like, hey, like, And I'll say this as a preacher's kid, when they drop that on you and you had a scheduled 30 minute time and you're like, this is going to be seven hours, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think leaning more towards, hey, so you dropped this on me in a 30 minute time frame and I got to go. So what I'm going to do is tell you, I'm going to tonight, I'm going to get home. I'm going to think through it. We're going to schedule time tomorrow. Right. And you have the right to do that. I know pastors don't think they do sometimes or they feel like they can't. Do not miss one other obligation unless it is a one-off. You know what I mean? Like save those moments of like missing whatever you have that night, <laughs> you know, for the, the true times that you actually are like, I really need to be present for this. Like it is life or death or it is whatever. And the other times like honor yourself and your own process and being able to go, okay, I, we got 30 minutes. I need to spend some time. Let's schedule a time to meet tomorrow. Right. And like and and go through or whatever the next time you can. Um, And and I think that's a bigger piece of it. I I feel like, again, in that in the, you know, Western church of like, you you know, your time is not your own. That's not true. And I think it actually will create a healthier congregation and a healthier relationship with people. And believe it or not, they'll trust you. They may be upset like, well, you know, but more often than not, I've seen like when I set the boundaries and I go, I can't, I can't honor what you shared with me right now. Okay. And so I, I'm going to need, I have to do this. I've got to do this next thing. So let's meet, you know, whatever, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray about it. And I'm going to ask you to let me know your plan when we come back together, you know, and like, whatever that is, does that make sense? Like that it's oh, just absolutely. like honor your own time. And then people trust you with that. They're like, Oh, okay. You know, and then you don't become their magic eight ball either, which is. Yeah. And you don't get trapped into it's like, you know, after an hour and a half of an issue that you have no ability to fix in the moment, what's another three hours discussing it going to do? And I think it does. You're just assuaging those emotions. Yeah. The the pastoral identity. And can you can you trust this person to God and others or do Mm -hmm. you have to save them? which I think is, is a temptation for all pastors is kind of the side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, uh, it, it's, it is, though it's, it's crazy. Like it's funny. I've said this before, but it, it is, a, it's crazy to me what, what, um, the level of enabling that, that Christians do and call it grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. And when you start twisting beautiful things with unhealthy things, really bad stuff happens. And so, you know, your, your grace was that I had 30 minutes and then I got to go to my kid's ball game or I had 30 minutes and then I've got to go meet with the next person that also scheduled time with me, you know, or whatever it is like, that's, that's what I have to pay for it on the back end. And it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it just reminds me of that. I know we talked about this at empower in Galatians four, when it talks about carrying one another, bearing one another's burdens, but not carrying their own personal load. And Mm -hmm. even Paul right there makes a distinction of what we can help carry and what we can't carry for people right Um, and just finding that balance i do love the hey you know i've got to go but i later tonight i will reach out and schedule time i think that's especially helpful is reminding like hey i will reach out it's kind of that typical Mm -hmm. like hey pastor i have an issue Mm-hmm. Don't go, don't, as you're heading up to the pulpit, it's like, hey, pastor, I got an issue. It's like, hey, call me Monday morning and we'll talk through it. Um, I think all pastors know how to do that. They don't maybe necessarily know how to apply it as well throughout the middle of the week 
in that kind of um, priority. Yeah, so it's been really helpful. I mean, I, I could probably just sit here <laughs> selfishly. Ah, maybe this is just part one of ten. I know there's there's so many so many different things we could probably dive into in this conversation, but I'm just thinking, you know, so much of what we do um, at Mercy, specifically through our outreach services, is that we we want to see the body of Christ equipped. We want to see people in leadership in the church equipped. That's who our hearts and minds are kind of focused in on on a daily basis. And so just thinking about this specific podcast, um, I'm really, you know, I just, even, even in listening to your questions, Marshall, I just am reminded of how, um, what a weight it is to pastor, (laughs) to lead a church, Um, And I'm also reminded of how horrible congregates can be to their pastors. (laughs) Like, all you guys are making your pastors crazy. I didn't say it. I can say (laughs) it because I'm not a pastor. But I'm just like, man, if people could just. But I think I think what what we're saying even today is just knowing that in setting some boundaries and knowing what your lane is and walking your lane well. And then being able to set clear boundaries with the people that you serve, it's not just good for you and it's not just good for your family. It's actually the best way to love the people you serve. Um, And so enabling Mm -hmm. and trying to fill lanes that you're not equipped to fill or that you shouldn't be filling, that's not even loving your people well. Um, And so disappointing them and frustrating them sometimes may actually be the best way to love them. And Brooke, as you said, they will respect you. They will eventually respect you and trust you more. Um, in the long run. And so it's worth it. Um, but I'm also just like reminded of how this is, this is literally everything you guys talked about today. This is why we do empower. This is the whole, mm-hmm. this is the whole heart behind this workshop that we offer. So man, that was not my intent with this show for it to be like a commercial for empower, but I'm just thinking, man, if you serve in a local church or you have friends who do, or you are connected to your own pastor, like recommend this workshop to them. Um, you know, come to, come to the next one that we're doing, um, go to mercymultiplied.com. You can find out when our upcoming workshops are, because that is truly what we're seeking to do is help you really walk out a lot of the things that the two of you just talked about on this episode today. So are there any final burning thoughts that you guys feel like you need to share before we wrap up today? I think that, I mean, (sighs) What I would like to see, I mean, you're right, like, good Lord, go to Empower. I wish we could do one for just like all pastors, Um, you know, but I think if anything, I hope what everyone heard is that everyone needs to take responsibility for themselves. And I don't mean congregants, pastors too. Like if we all really just took responsibility for ourselves and that, that means like, you know, I'm going to take ownership for my own healing in connection with other people, right? Because I think the number one thing is isolation. Right. The enemy's telling the pastor, you have to figure this all out on your own. And the enemy's telling the congregation, right, like no one else can help you but the pastor. Or if he didn't give me the answer I wanted or she didn't give me the answer I wanted, then well, then no one can help me. Right. That's all bull. And so, you know, and you can fill in whatever you want to fill in right after that. But I think that it's, you know, I I think if we do that part and go, okay, you know, and, and living in like that honor and respect and, you know, but it's also just the confidence, I think for pastors too, I think if anything, man, that's what I would love to see if we could just banish the insecurity that comes with, with being a pastor. And it it is, and, and look, I will talk so much trash about y'all because I'm a preacher and I can, um, you know, but, but I love you, you know, but it really is, it is an incredibly difficult job. And I think that, you know, it's like, we see one of the two extremes, you either just get your soul ripped out because there's no, you're just trying to serve everybody really well. Right. Or you, you know, things get really weird. And, you know, they'd make documentaries about you. And so I think that, you know what I mean? Like somewhere in there we have, you know, confident, secure pastors, but it's also like that, like they don't have a team. How many pastors do we see that don't really have a team for them too? And and I think if, if we talked about any of this and I probably didn't even start this off well, and I should have, the number one thing is like, what do you believe about, getting your own support when your marriage is really struggling or, you know, you're struggling with X, Y, and Z, like how we believe about healing 
the healing process with within the church and with other professionals is is what trickles down, you know, because then when we're confidently standing in that place, like, you know, this is, hey, I believe in this plan. Like people know that, right? They don't have to know your business, but they know that, okay, he is co-signing this and I'm going to trust that, you know, or she's co-signing this and I'm going to trust mm-hmm. that. So anyway, I think that's just what I would leave it with. And, you know, that, like I said, everybody go to Empower. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. All, all I thought of was the exact same thing as First Timothy 4.16 that I have like burned into my brain. And it's uh, keep a close watch on yourself mm-hmm. and on the teaching. Persist in this for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. And it's like, pastor, you got to figure yeah. your stuff out and do this for your soul or your people mm-hmm. are not going to stand mm-hmm. a chance. I'm, I'm so glad that you guys are wrapping it up with that, that thought. Um, because as we say over and over and over and over, you will give away whatever it is that you carry. So if you carry brokenness and bondage and sin and lies and secrets, what in the world are you giving away to the people that you serve and minister to? I don't care what you think, (laughs) like that is what's happening. And so um, I just think uh, encouraging people in leadership to be really diving into their own healing journey, you're going to be equipped and you're going to understand the healing journeys of other people at a different level when you're like, wait, I've done this. I know what it's like to have to walk through my issues and walk through my hurts and walk through unforgiveness and walk through renewing the mind and walk through breaking bondage. Like I know what that's like because I've had to do it. And so I can now serve those in my congregation who are doing that as well in a completely different capacity. So I love that. I think it's a great way, a great final encouragement for this. So for all of you who have made it, uh, hour in here we are uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this conversation that it's been helpful um, and and man I hope that it's something that you can share with the leaders at your church you can pass this forward this link on you know to your pastors that it could be an encouragement and helpful to them as well um, and as always if the content in these podcasts has been helpful for you we would be so so grateful if you'd help us out by rating the show writing a review wherever it is that you listen that just helps to get it out into the hands of more people so um and as always if you have any thoughts or questions about anything that we've discussed or you want to send us a hundred more questions to ask dr brooke keels uh, for part two three four and five of this <laughs> this series i'm sure um man let us know email us at mercy talk at mercymultiplied.com to find out more about mercy multiplied you can head over to mercymultiplied.com and you can also find us on instagram Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thank you guys so much for joining us today.